0: mom's clothes line rules i still can't say it <laughs> okay hold on can you say that clothes line
1: <laughs> what's wrong Clothesline. with me
0: clothes line because they have it i feel like it should be one word they have it as two words so i'm trying to say it, and it's oh. a title so it's all capital you know like capital letters mm-hmm. clothes line i can say clothes line so it should yeah, be one I, word
1: yeah i would just say it as one
0: word for okay sure. okay here we go again <clears throat>
1: okay Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 56. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about entertainment. Are you not entertained? Words spoken and immortalized by Russell Crowe's titular character in the movie Gladiator. But when we pause to consider the context of his rallying cry versus the eerie similarities in the trajectory of our own modern entertainment, That pause should full-on stop us short. But first, if you are
0: enjoying the Modern Lady podcast, we would be so honored if you could take a minute to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. It only takes a minute, but it really helps our little podcast stand out. When you take the time to comment, it truly makes our day. This
1: week's shout-out goes to Becca Kadowaki, who left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and said, quote, I'm eight months pregnant with our first, and over the past two months, I have been shifting my time and energy from work outside the home to work inside the home. Not only is physical nesting kicking in, but also intellectual nesting, making sense of my new roles and responsibilities. Your podcast has given me so much to ponder, explore, laugh about, and pray about as a wife, young new mom, and soon-to-be homemaker. Thanks for sharing." End quote. Thank you so much for your comment, Becca. We love that term, intellectual nesting. And we're so honored to journey with you as you enter this new season of life. Congratulations and good luck. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our modern lady tip of the week.
0: In a vintage homemaking group that I'm in on Facebook, someone posted an image entitled mom's clothesline rules. I don't know who mom is and I am unable to credit the source any further, but this list is just too useful not to share. So every spring I ask Jason if we can install a clothesline and every spring he says maybe and then we totally forget about it. But I have been long fascinated by the act of hanging laundry out to dry and I do know how great it smells when you bring that dry clothing back inside. So without further ado, here is a list of clothesline rules. Number 1. The clothesline must be wiped before hanging clothes. Number 2. Socks must be hung by their toes. Number 3. Hang sheets and towels on the outside line so you can hide your unmentionables. Number four, shirts must always hang by the tail, never by the shoulders. Number five, line up clothes that each item shares one of the clothes pegs with another item. Number six, pegs must be gathered up when taking down clothes. Never leave them on the line. So I don't know what it is, but this list really convinced me that I need to have a clothesline outside this year. So Michelle, do you use a clothesline? I do. And
1: I am one for six on on those (laughs) tips. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I I do gather my clothespins. You do. (laughs) Good, good. Now I'm wondering here, so maybe you can help me
0: because where it says the hang sheets and towels on the outside line so Mm -hmm. you can hide your unmentionables. Is
1: that where, is there two lines then? Does that mean that run and you would just... oh. Yeah. yeah. So when I heard that, I immediately thought about the kind of clothesline that I have. And that made sense to me. So we don't have just a single line going across. We do have one of those that are anchored into the ground. And they have like four or five rows of lines going between the two posts. And so in that context yes I can see you. you'd hang the bedsheets on the outside mm. and then all the clothes and unmentionables <laughs> on the inside yes that makes so much sense now oh my goodness I can't believe I didn't see it before <laughs> but also, everyone else did
0: yeah well every... <laughs> I just love anytime we can use the word unmentionables is a good day <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> a very good day yes Just a quick note before we begin, that the content of today's episode deals with more mature subject matter and may be inappropriate for some children. Listener discretion is advised. The entertainment industry becomes more and more complex every day. To satiate the culture's appetites, our form of entertainment has to change and intensify rapidly. And this can make for a complicated discernment process on our part while we're choosing what we and our families indulge in for leisure. This is quite possibly one
0: of the hardest episodes we've ever recorded. This is because it's something very personal, right, for most people and something that a lot of people, well, might get their backs up about. I couldn't silence the voice in my heart calling me to speak up any longer. So we're going to start this discussion, but that's what our little podcast is. It's a conversation starter and you dear listener. Well, you're part of the conversation that's just happening between two friends, between Michelle and I, we do not claim to have all the answers when we sit down to record every week. And often we're actually in the beginning stages of figuring out quite how we feel about these topics. But what we're sharing with you is our process of becoming critical thinkers. You see us wrestling with these topics. You see us desiring to grow in virtue. But we also are open about how hard we can find it to be when we're swimming against the current. Right, Michelle?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so hard to be different. It's hard to be in the world, but not of the world, right? And I know as Christians too, we're familiar with the Bible verse of, you know, compelling us to become salt of the earth. So there is this call to be different when we see the culture moving in a direction that we simply can't follow uh, as Christians if it uh, goes against our beliefs or our convictions. And yet it's one of the hardest things for us to do, especially here in the West, right? Yeah,
0: and we've said it before. So we are all in this together. And with that being said, though, I think we can all agree that the entertainment industry has played a very, very huge role in shaping society over the last 100 years. I was listening to a homily today that was actually about the March for Life in Washington, but the priest said something that ended up being totally related to today's topic. Father Jonathan Meyer said, who has the greatest authority over us in our world right now? It is those in the entertainment industry. They dictate the clothes we wear, our music, our vocabulary, and our culture. He said this because he was referencing St. Paul's call to us to pray for those in places of authority. And we might think at first glance that our politicians have the most sway, but that's not really the truth at all. And it really hasn't been the truth for a very
1: long time. That's a really interesting point. I never thought of it that way, because you're right. We do tend to think of the highest influencers being the traditional authority figures in government and even in the church or in our families. But it seems like the entertainment and the celebrity aspect of it kind of slips in there. And it is so much more profound than we think it is, but it is powerful all the same. It really is. And you know what? I love entertainment. <laughs> I
0: love movies, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And TV shows and books yes. and music. And heck, I even sang in a grunge band back in the mid-90s. <laughs> I love culture. And most of my friends in my formative years, well, they were musicians and actors, wannabe film directors. I was always with creative people, I loved art that pushed boundaries, dark independent films and music with cryptic lyrics. I loved it all. And then in my early 20s, I became Christian, and I became Christian kicking and screaming. And I knew right away that I was not going to just start listening to cheesy praise and worship music. I wasn't going to give up on my quest to immerse myself in a very avant-garde artistic world. But then, Michelle, I became a Catholic Christian. (laughs) Oh, boy. Right. And then, but I'm still stubborn. It takes God a long time to work on me. Um, I still knew then that I wasn't going to let, quote, the church tell me what to watch and wear and read and listen to. I mean, sure, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I went to Mass every single Sunday, but I wasn't transformed. I was still me from Monday to Saturday. Mm. And then in 2012, I found the traditional Latin Mass. And I started for the first time ever to see myself as how God sees me. And in no time, I started feeling this push to become a whole new person. And at first, this rejection of earthly things was easy because it was the obvious sin, right? I'm like, well, I'm not going to murder anybody. Uh, I'm not going to steal anything. Yeah. Okay. Doing pretty good. And I'm like, clearly I'm living a Christian life. Well, (laughs) it started to push me deeper and deeper and deeper into becoming what, how Christ wants me to be. And this interior transformation had to start being reflected in my exterior life and the choices that were a little bit harder to give up. And this mm-hmm. has really come up lately with Netflix. And this is what kind of spurred this discussion on with, between Jason and I and within our home. And, you know, we love our movies and TV shows. Um, Michelle, is there something that you have really struggled with?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I, I do. I struggle with entertainment too. Um, but I come at it from a different perspective because I grew up uh, always in the church, mm. right? And uh, and yet it, it is interesting to just acknowledge that uh, that has not diminished the struggle at all, right? right. So it finds us all. For me, uh, one of the things I find difficult to monitor and keep on top of our books, um, I think it's hard because you can't always judge a book by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know what's coming up, right? Whereas with movies or TV shows, I have been able to kind of look at it and get a sense of what it could be. You have trailers, uh, things like that, but for a book, it's often different. And it is hard to, once you get really rooted in with a character and with the plot line and with the storyline, it's hard to put it down. And I know I find it very difficult to do that. And you're hit with this moral dilemma in the middle of a book. Uh, Sometimes I can. Sometimes, you know, to my shame, I, I can't or I don't. And I'm working on it too. So I, I really like having the discussion, though, because it it occurs to me as I'm reading it what to do. And I think that I suspect that all of us have had moments like that. Well, I firmly believe that it's no
0: accident that those things pop up halfway through a book or a couple episodes into a new TV show. I believe it's deliberate. And mm. it's a lot harder to sell us on evil um, right from the beginning. Although I, ha- I think my issue now is that it is not even being hid anymore in the new TV shows, particularly on Netflix. So what we're talking about here is entertainment. And I I put quotes around the word entertainment when I'm talking about this with our friends. And what I mean by that is that in our busy lives, we only have a few hours of pure leisure in a week, right? Where we've put the kids to bed and we're putting our feet up and we're spending time with our spouse and we are choosing voluntarily to watch something that will give us pleasure. That is escapism. These are things that we turn to entertainment for. Now, what that has become, um, and, and like I said, it doesn't even seem like Netflix is hiding it anymore, is only shows about like murder, real life murders, cannibalism, rape, violence, adultery, where you're rooting for the adulterous relationship, addictions of all kind, witchcraft and the occult, uh, people with mental health disorders that are being used as characters or used in humor, talk shows that parade these people around like the old Victorian freak shows. And I mean, none of us would ever consider mm-hmm. going to a freak show now, let alone mm-hmm. the Roman Coliseum that you referenced earlier, where we watched people being ripped apart by lines. But That's what we're doing still in the comfort of our own living rooms now.
1: Right. And isn't it so interesting that if we dare to say, you know what, that's not for us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Rejecting the popular entertainment uh, makes us feel like we're strange. Yeah, we're the weird ones. I'm sorry, I don't want to watch
0: Jeffrey Dahmer cannibalizing somebody. I don't want to, maybe I shouldn't be watching that. What? You're approved, (laughs) right? Like, There's an immediate
1: response from people. Yeah. And it's it's kind of, you know, like what you're kind of alluding to there too. I, I think I really don't like the idea that we're all being used mm. by the entertainment industry, right? Like, uh, I think we can be naive or just forgetful sometimes when we don't remember that the bottom line is money. Absolutely. It's to make money. And so not only are these, um, you know, the actors and actresses are sometimes being used or exploited or coerced into doing things they're not comfortable with, just to get a job just to get their foot in the door. Um, You know, they're being used. And also we are being used too. like our loyalty and our emotions and our search for leisure and entertainment that's all being preyed upon by people who want to make more and more money off of us and so they're going to amp it up all the time to keep us uh, keep us coming back for more and I don't know that just uh, that doesn't sit well with me well they're preying on something and I guess this can be our modern lady word of the day we
0: need a new jingle for that mm-hmm. but um <laughs> concupiscence right Michelle concupiscence uh. It's mm-hmm. a word that we use in the church. It's a theological term for our natural desire towards sin, particularly sexual sin. I mean, it's within us. It's something we all have to fight and overcome. Well, marketers know this. TV writers know this. And you're right. The money that's made off of our desire to watch and and see things that are thrilling or that cause... Um, feelings of pleasure or desire within us. I mean, they're feeding off of this thing that we all have within us We're none of us are above that and mm. they're totally praying off it. And like we said, they've been preying it off it since the beginning of time and everybody falls for it. We are all struggling with this, but what we're saying to you in this episode is that have you had that discussion? Have you had that time where you are meditating on your own values. I don't care if your value system is the same as mine or if it's the same as Michelle's. We're not here to preach our value system to you. What we're asking is, have you sat back and asked yourself and asked your spouse and asked your children, are the things that we are watching and listening to, are these things in alignment with the values that we are very public about? The things that people would know about our family that we stand up for? Or when we put our kids to bed, are we watching things that we should not be watching behind closed doors? It's about having integrity and it's about walking the walk. And I couldn't do it anymore over these last mm-hmm. couple of years, right? I thought, I can't tell my kids that all of these things are wrong. And dare I say, sinful, we don't even use that word mm-hmm. anymore. Um, and then sit down as entertainment with my husband. And, and we would like be like, oh, we should turn that down so the kids don't hear it. And I'm not talking about like horrible, horrible things. I'm just talking about things like Peaky Blinders, which we got into for a while and Game of Mm -hmm. Thrones. Um, We're like, we should turn that down. Or what if one of the kids walks down and sees that? What the heck? Like then I started, like hit me like a ton of bricks. (laughs) What integrity do I have as a human being that I am telling my kids that all of these behaviors are wrong. And then I'm watching that as again, quote, entertainment in my spare
1: time. Right. And I think it helps too, to kind of, break it down even further and consider why it would be wrong, right? Mm. That can that can sometimes ease it a little bit too, because it does look good and feel good to uh, indulge in so many of these shows that aren't necessarily appropriate, but so why it is. And actually, it just popped up on my newsfeed on Facebook this morning, this quote from St. Thomas Aquinas, mm. and he says, that the things that we love tell us what we are. Mm. And I was like, hmm, ooh, ouch. Yeah, <laughs> Same yeah. minus. Like, Especially because in, in that context, we I was looking up things for today's episode yeah. <laughs> to record. I was like, oh, I do love what I love in terms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, these things that we look at or that we read or we listen to, these things stick in our minds, right? And they become part of our memories. and then they can be used against us in moments of weakness or moments of temptation to um, turn our thoughts and our actions away from God and from doing what is right. And that's what the danger is, right? It's not like a killjoy thing. Right. It's not like a, a status thing, like, oh, I'm more pure than you, <laughs> like right. whatever that would even look like. Um It's like a self-preservation, that instinct that we've lost because we've become desensitized to it. So, you know, when when we're talking about like, perhaps we really need to revisit having a conversation within ourselves first and foremost, what are we comfortable with that I think that stems from a, what is my desire in the long term? What, What direction am I going? And are these methods of entertainment helping me or are they leading me further away from the path?
0: That is such, oh my goodness, you made so many good points. What am I comfortable with, right? We're Mm. allowing these things in our home. I know the first argument people say, and again, I'm sure even some of you listening to this are going, okay, too much. Like, this is ridiculous. We're fine with what we watch. We're grown adults. We can make a conscious decision. Um, We're good in all these other areas in our life, and we can enjoy our one hour at time at at night together, you know? and." Mm it's a conversation that still needs to be have because if you're comfortable with that and this conversation that Michelle and I are having are making is making you uncomfortable why is it making you uncomfortable a lot of people are like well we can't protect ourselves forever you step out into the world you're going to hear swear words you're going to see all this stuff the world is a nasty place but like you said Michelle These things that we take in to our ears and to our eyes, it goes into our brain and it does lodge in there. And even if we remove the God element, there is a psychological impact that Mm -hmm. is undeniable, right? And so I look at it. Okay, so we're going to be really bold here when we talk about this. but And this is, again, a little moment. If your kids are in the room, you might want to take them out right now and just pause Mm -hmm. it. Okay. So something I noticed for many years. And I noticed this before I was a Christian. I had a lot of girlfriends who were so obsessed with romantic comedy movies. These were really popular in the 90s. They, they're not as around as much right now. But like, um, where they all end with like the heroine running away from the guy through an airport and he's catching cabs in Manhattan to try to catch her at the airport, right? Highly emotional, mm-hmm. h- emotionally charged. And these girls that I knew, and I liked them too, not as much as some other women, but um, they really shaped how women <laughs> looked at men and at relationships. And heaven forbid you were the guy who wasn't going to chase some girl down to tander flowers last minute and do all the romantic things in the movies because she wasn't going to be with you. She had this idea, this mistaken idea of what a relationship is, is supposed to look like. And mm. I know plenty of women who shut down great guys and who turned them down for years and ended up not married and not happy because they never were able to live up to that romantic comedy idea of what a relationship should look like now the flip Mm. side of that is pornography i have known many men and i'm you know saw pornography many times at house parties growing up um, at all of the house parties it was on tv when we're in high school all the way up so but I knew many men who then looked at that as the ideal sexual relationship with a woman. I mean it was an idealized version of um of sex. And so they mm. were like, "Well, why isn't my girlfriend doing this? Why isn't my wife doing that?" And the girls are like, "Why isn't he chasing me down and like taking right. me to the top of the Empire State Building?" I mean we we've been so programmed into looking at our relationships like this because of this our choices of entertainment that god aside it's really screwed up relationships between men and women. And like I said, I saw this long before I became a Christian.
1: Mm, that brings up a really good point about blurring the lines, mm. right? Because there is a difference. Um, if you're watching something that's really fantastical and very clearly fiction, right. um, very clearly fantasy, I'm thinking like Lord of the Rings. Absolutely, yeah. um, <laughs> The Chronicles of Narnia. Star you know, Trek. These things, <laughs> Star Trek, right. Like, obviously you're watching a tv show right yeah. um and that's easy to turn off and walk away from and continue on into reality but you're right it is like with this rise of reality tv and even romantic comedies like what you're saying um that genre it's so it's close enough to what we can recognize in our own lives that it starts we start to be not be able to turn it off and then continue on in our real world. It right. becomes a bit of our real world. and uh that's part of the hook. And you're right. I think I think it ha is having more of an impact than we may even be aware of, yeah, then that's that's how that's how sneaky
0: entertainment is right? We don't mm. even think we're dialed into it when we're watching things. It's just like we're comatose on the couch. We're just trying to relax at the end of the night. And again, we're all there. I'm there with you. like. And mm-hmm. But as does. as it lingers with us, I can't tell you how many times when we used to watch Game of Thrones, an image would be burned into my mind. And I had to try to shake that image that night going to bed or the next day. And if that's me, and I'm, uh, let's just say at this point, a, a pretty formed catholic. I mean, I've done a lot of work over the last 10 years and if those things still stick in my mind, what about a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old or an 18 or 19-year-old who are just starting to decide what their views are on marriage and on how they treat women or their coworkers, that sort of thing. Um it's just really changes our brains far more than
1: we think it does. It is not just entertainment. Mhm. So In starting down this path then, in starting to reflect on what we're watching and does this line up with our values, uh, one thing I thought was really interesting that you and I talked about was, uh, and this was a while ago too, but it brought it up to my mind, was this idea of certain people also have tendencies or sensitivities in areas that other people may not right and to kind of know within yourself what that is for you right, because some people may have past experiences where they're they might be <laughs> triggered yeah, yeah. <laughs> like to use a trendy phrase yeah <laughs> they might be more triggered by certain things and that might stick in your head more than it would someone else right really. so uh, for someone who does struggle with um lust and uh you know, things of that sort, maybe romantic comedies have a more grave impact on them than, say, Harry Potter. But Um, for someone who has bad experiences dealing with the occult and things like that, um, they may be able to watch romantic comedies and flick it off and be fine, but those images will will not be able to leave them. So that's another level of consideration, too, that um, just like we're all different in terms of our convictions and moral beliefs then you also kind of have to be a little bit introspective and consider who you personally are and what personally will uh will get you yeah this is the exact conversation we want you to have and again it's
0: this idea of not just being spoon-fed what the culture is spoon-feeding you and going okay I'll watch this everybody's watching it right it's having mm. this discussion and thinking for yourself um one of the things that i have to point out i can't just not point this out anymore is the amount of times our lord's name is taken in vain this really started in the 80s and um i know that because i was born in 1980 and we grew up with all of the great movies right the Mm goonie back to the future and indiana jones and the breakfast club and um and now I, I I fondly look back on those movies and I've been wanting to show my kids movies like Back to the Future. And I am shocked by the amount of times there is blasphemy in those movies, not to mention the almost rape scene. Just keep that in mind with Back to the Future. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it starts really in the 80s. And so in our house, I mean, we haven't said OMG uh, in many, many, many years. And I started – we got to the point where we were feeling convicted that if we heard it in a TV show, we would say a quick little prayer, sorry God, Um, and then we would keep watching it. But then, Michelle, <laughs> oh, I had this realization and – I thought, am I going to stand before Jesus one day? And he'll say, okay, so Lindsay, you were watching Peaky Blinders. Uh, You apologized 50 times for the amount of times they took my name in vain, which happens to be the second commandment, people. It's a big one. Uh, And you apologize every time, which says to me, you understood that that was a really big deal enough that you apologized to me, but you kept watching the show. You kept watching the show. I couldn't stomach that anymore. And man, it's hard because what shows can we find where they're not taking our Lord's name in vain? And I even have to say that before, if if you would come to me when I was an atheist and very, very anti-Christianity, uh, And you had said to me out of respect, you know what? I don't want to hear that. Or is it okay if we don't watch it? I wouldn't have actually fought you on that. That wouldn't have been, Mm. I would have fought you on a lot of things. But to me, that's just a sign of respect. I would have been like, yeah, no problem. I'm so sorry. And I would have done my best to guard my language. So I'm not your 80 year old grandmother right now going, don't take the Lord's name in vain. But I am a 39 year old woman saying, (laughs) don't take the Lord's name in vain because. It's no longer accepted in my home. It's, it's not a language that we are going to allow on TV. Now, one last thing about this. Mm-hmm. We're, as we try to navigate through this in our family, we are at the, of the mindset that if we're watching like a documentary or something where it's interviewing real people and they're speaking off the cuff and it happens to slip out, we will apologize about that, but we'll let that slide versus it being scripted into a TV mm. show. OK, mm-hmm. we, we firmly believe there's a big difference here between a team of writers who are writing in blasphemy as lines that are forcing their actors to say these lines, particularly. And I'm talking about 12 and 13 and 14 year olds on Stranger Things, which got really bad mm-hmm. in the last season with that. Um, Father Ripperger, who you and I are a big fan of, he said there's a different thing between, um, I believe, is it implied sin and actual sin? Michelle, you know that where he talks about that?
1: Yeah, I can't recall the exact words, but that is the... That is a sentiment, yeah.
0: So he explains that when there's um, implied sin, let's say in a movie, so it's like acted out violence or even some sex scenes, if it's integral to the pot, plot and it's done well, there might not actually be sin going on with it. Now, the thing is with blasphemy, it's always sin. It's actual sin, whether it's being read off a script or said out loud, like it's not supposed to happen. And when we watch it and we don't turn it off and it happens over and over and over going to show, we're complicit in that. And I didn't want to hear that. I did not want to hear that. I didn't mm-hmm. want to hear it in my heart. I didn't want to hear it in my conscience. I didn't want to hear it spoken by a good priest. I didn't want to read it in the Bible. But I can't pretend I don't know that now. And I can't pretend that I. I. it's not important for me to share that with you guys. And right. that's up to you to decide. But it's not going to happen in my house anymore.
1: Hmm. And I think this whole conversation really just comes down to we need to have a call back to courage again, mm. right? Um, because <laughs> during this whole conversation, I myself, as I'm talking with you, Lindsay, yeah. I'm fighting um, I'm fighting impulses towards fear. Right. Like, what is this going to mean for us going forward? Yes. <laughs> like, um, am I going to be uh, like ostracized? Am I not going to be able to talk to people or be relevant? Um, right. Am I going to be laughed at or made fun of? And uh, I am, uh, I do feel fear over that, but it's this the comfort is knowing that it is something that takes courage. And so that is the answer and that is the antidote. The courage to not only look inside and figure out what the right way to go is but then to stand by it and to yeah. be firm in it it does it takes massive courage and
0: i don't know that i'm fully there yet but again i can't deny that this has this conversation hasn't been happening in my home and um it is it's been likened to a white martyrdom by certain priests in this day and age there is such a an understanding among almost everybody that we just all watch these shows like you don't even second guess it. So if you are the weird family that doesn't do this, people are like, oh, you're holier than thou, eh? You're one of those. What are you guys just going to do? Light mm. some candles and sit around and pray all night? And I'm like, yeah, actually, we do do that sometimes. <laughs> but then, watch oh, the first sorry. spring scene and have a couple glasses of wine and have a good night too. If I'm listening to the lyrics and know what it's about, it's about being aware. This is what we're saying. Right. And again, your value system might be different than my value system, and I'm cool with that. I just need you to look in yourself and listen to everything that you're allowing into your home and go. Okay, yeah, I'm okay with this. Or no, we're not okay with this. You know in your own heart if you've been watching something you shouldn't be watching. And it does take great courage to say, okay, I'm going to disconnect from this. I'm going to, for right now, not allow this into
1: my space, into my house as the homemaker. You know, and if if you stuck with us this far on this subject and you haven't been triggered yet, let me just throw one more thing at you to really test your mettle. <laughs> <laughs> I want to propose uh, an edit of MAGA, right? <laughs> <laughs> make America Great Again, the red hats. Stop, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> but how about we make art great again? Mm-hmm. You know, art used to be uh, something that raises people up. Yes, and elevation. Tears people down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's quickly becoming on mass, It's not just the weird fringy shows anymore that yeah. people know kind of stay away from. This is mainstream and art used to be a mainstream way of like, lifting us up and propelling us towards God and inspiring us and motivating us uh, in and entertaining us all at the same time and that's what made it so great in the first place. So, Once again, if you want to join us down this, (laughs) down this MAGA road, (laughs) make art great again and fight the culture, have courage to do so because we can do this. And who knows, maybe we can really turn things around and make the world a better place. Okay. It's time for our, what we're loving this week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Well, speaking of wholesome entertainment,
0: (laughs) which can be hard (laughs) to find, um, I stumbled across a new documentary on Netflix the other morning, and I was just going to watch 10 minutes of it while I had my coffee, but ended up watching the whole thing, and most of the kids joined me for almost all of it. The film is called (laughs) The Biggest Little Farm. Have you seen that on Netflix yet?
1: Oh, no, I don't think I've come across it
0: yet. Okay. It's new on there. Um, it follows a husband and wife team from urban California as they pursue their dream of starting a farm using mostly traditional farming methods. Phil's going to like this one too. Oh yes. (laughs) Um, the documentary takes place over seven years and it's beautifully shot and it's very moving. And yeah, I cried at the end, like I do at the end of all movies. Um, and I, of course, I also felt inspired to go start a farm like you will, because of course (laughs) I will. will. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but they really do show the brutal reality of what traditional farming is like in 2020. Um, the movie is totally family friendly. If you are the type of family that watches nature shows already where you see animals being killed um, and attacking each other. Okay. If you kids have already seen that on nature shows, that's the the worst thing you see. And it's upsetting, but it's a great conversation starter with the kids. And the way they handle it is very respectful they're really really good at showing the reality of coyotes and chickens and what happens with farming uh there's no bad language and there's no blasphemy so i'm going to be watching it again this week with jason the little the
1: biggest little farm was a great show great movie and what have you been loving this week so we also had some entertainment this weekend, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, we watched a movie this weekend called The Aeronauts, oh. and this one's on Amazon Prime. Have you yeah. seen that one? No, but I've seen the um, the pic. I know what you're talking about. I've seen the image. Okay. Yeah. yeah so the movie came out last year, mm-hmm. and it stars Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones, and I really like them together, actually. They were in that movie, The Biopic, about Stephen Hawking's. Yes! Um Yes. So I like them as a pair, but they star again together. And this is a story that follows a scientist named, named James Glacier in 1862. And he wanted to test his theory that weather is predictable. Mm. And he's always being laughed at. So to do this, he needs to study the air itself and the atmosphere. So what he does is he hires a pilot who happens to be a widow Mm -hmm. Named Amelia Wren, uh, that's Felicity Jones' character, to take him up in a hot air balloon. Because she's a, yeah, her husband was a pilot and then he passed, but she still flies. And so what I found really interesting um, actually came up from Googling the people themselves. So James Glacier and his story is actually real with a few exceptions, of course, in the movie. Um, But Amelia Wren is fictional and she draws actually from several real life figures such as Amelia Earhart and um, another woman named Sophie Blanchard who was a French female aeronaut in the early 1800s and she was actually the first um, person to fly at night and to fly to such heights that she would nearly pass out or freeze to death or nearly freeze to death up in a hot air balloon by herself so I I just thought uh, it was a really interesting story so that's the aeronauts and you can find that streaming right now on Amazon Prime Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. And if you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at Homemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time.